0: Hello and welcome to Serial Culture, a show about discovering the world one voice at a time. Each week, people of different cultural backgrounds and languages will tell their stories, here, for you. I'm Lori Martinez, and I'll be your host. This week, a crisis of cultural identity. What happens when you're torn between two cultures, when you aren't considered one or the other? Do you pick, or do you choose a new identity, an in-between of sorts? For part one of this episode, we'll be tackling this question as it occurs in Scandinavia. There have been thousands of debates across Europe about what it means to be French, British, German, Greek, and so on. As massive migrations transform the European landscape into something much more complex, the question of identity is a difficult one to unfold. Serial culture correspondent Lucy Kamara lives and studies in Malmö, Sweden, and often travels to Copenhagen, where she's encountered stories that seem to defy the global and local idea of what a Scandinavian identity is and should be. In the three interviews that follow, you'll hear how women who, because of their mixed heritage, blend in and identify, or not, with those cultures and their
1: values. With a strong historical and traditional legacy, the Scandinavian people have a fairly stern idea of who they are and what makes their culture unique. While on any given day, Nordic people will proudly gather under the banner of social welfare and gender equality, a more unspoken and problematic vision might also be at the core of their society today. Although still relevant in terms of cultural background, the white blonde, blue eyed Viking archetype is no longer relatable to the new, more diverse generation. Elizabeth Hunter was born and raised in Copenhagen by a white Danish mother and an African-American father. After living in Paris for a few years, she moved back to her hometown, where she shared with me her experience and what being Danish meant to her.
2: I am definitely Danish, in the sense that when I'm not in Denmark, I notice how Danish I am. As for example, living in Paris, I mean, I'm European, with you guys, but I'm Danish in different senses, like... What I expect from relationships and society and how I organize my life and these kind of things. But in Denmark, I wouldn't call myself that Danish. All the symbols of what is Danish, um, that's something that I've got nothing to do with. My name is Elizabeth. I'm 30 years old. I'm from Copenhagen. I am half American, half Danish. I just lived the past three and a half-ish years in Paris, and I'm now in Copenhagen again, in a very transitional phase, as I like to call it, and moving to California to do a PhD in African-American studies and African diaspora studies at UC Berkeley. I speak English, Danish, and French. So there are certain elements that are taking as hostages for Danishness, food things that I don't eat. Smørbrød, frikadeller, to have a uh, what else? Hygge, like s- stereotypical things, simples. When I'm in Denmark, I see Danish culture a little bit from, from the outside, because I also have another perspective. From my upbringing right my dad's like oh that's so danish kind of good and bad but you know i all i i just i have a double perspective naturally a couple of years ago while i was still in paris i had this very personal awakening i would say i describe it as um, discovering my own color that was also discovering my my father, and who passed away when I when I was eighteen, and discovering something that has been itching my whole life, but I didn't have a word for it, and then I guess I discovered what is what it was, and it's called racism, <laughs> and and um, yeah, so I started to to educate myself on everything that I thought that. They should have showed me in at university and they didn't. So I read a lot of books and a lot of like African-American classics, stuff like that. Toni Morrison, uh, Maya Angelou, then also Zadie Smith, which is new, but which is m- closer to my experience because she's European, she's mixed. I saw tons of YouTube videos, you know, it, ugh, it was the best. I got so greedy, sort of. I felt like I had to catch up um, on 28 years of whitewashing and just like living half of myself. But I was a little bit shy to like black up because that's not an... It- I'm mixed. That's not an identity that I want to own. I mean, I have privileges too, right? Connected to the mixed So coming back to Copenhagen... With my new lens, you could say, I see brown people all over. And it's also because, I mean, I've been away for a long time. Some people grew up, they, you know, moved from Jule to Copenhagen or whatever. Immigration, you know, and people having kids. So I do believe that (laughs) there are more brown people now than when I left. And certainly more than when I grew up. Um, But I think my shift in what I see and who I see has added something. I want to like poke people on the shoulder and be like, who are you? Where were you in the 90s? And I do it sometimes, you know? And like, oh, you look like we should be friends. (laughs) Well, I've only done this in contexts where we were talking about brownness. And some of them said the same, like awesome to meet you. And 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 this one particular girl I told you about, we had, I mean, word by word, the same experience. And also this awakening and so many similar points. So, I mean, I completely cheered up the first time I, I met with her. So I've had very, very positive um, experiences with these people. Yeah. <laughs> when I talked about the racism that was itching in my during my upbringing in Denmark it's connected to this concept of Danishness which is also a very romantic construct and it's definitely white when people ask me in my own country when i speak my own language where i'm from i hear you're not from here or you don't belong here that's why what it means to me Um, and you get that all the time I had a very interesting double question two times independently of each other two different people which was so are you a refugee or adopted (laughs) independently like multiple choice A or B You know? Not see, I'm born here. Which pissed me off. And also the awareness that I grew up with many people who had a parent from somewhere else. But the ones who were half Finnish or Swedish or. uh, Quoi? Neerlandais or something? Norwegian. Yeah. And white. They never had to answer these questions. So it's clearly racial. That's exhausting. And then topped with a very Danish sense of irony. I mean, freedom of expression means I have the right to say whatever I will, even if it's insulting or harmful to someone else. I will exercise this right. Equality is a, is a very strong ideal in Denmark but I think equal rights and equal opportunities get confused with sameness or likeness. So if we're all alike, then we can be equal. That's, that's the premise. That's how it functions. So you can be equal, quote-unquote, if you peel off your color and your weirdness and your otherness, then you can have equal rights. Seriously, there's so little you have to do to be other in Denmark. If you're not wearing your Nike free and wearing that specific high bun, which is still a la mode, apparently, <laughs> seriously, then, then you're other. There is a generation now who is born and raised here and starting to give voice to Danishness, which is not Danishness following the the first template. Yeah, so that's what gives me hope. At the same time, politically, it's not going well. It's turning, right? But, and then again, I'm from Copenhagen, right? So if I think that things are going slow, it doesn't get any better than in Copenhagen, (laughs) I think. But I think, I mean, I think when we're more... I think we can we can be mixed and Danish. I mean, it's it's not an for us, and that's thing for us. It was never an uh, a dichotomy, right? It was always mm, just our reality. I'm brown and beautiful. You too. <laughs> we look alike.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank so much. you.
1: This feeling like an outsider, even as an insider, is common to the third culture kids around the world. But in countries as demographically homogeneous as the Nordics, it is even harder for mixed-race kids to identify with their own culture. Miranda grew up in Stockholm, Sweden, in an entirely white family, and was the only person of colour in her neighbourhood. never met her Gambian-born father, and struggled for a long time with understanding her identity and be proud of her appearance. When we met, she noticed amusingly that it might be the first time in her life she was walking down the street with another black person.
3: I'm just walking here, I just... Especially today, because I'm wearing my hair out and I've got this huge effort. I'm sort of tense walking around because I see people looking and I hear people commenting. Uh, usually it's just positive, but it's just like people notice mm-hmm. because it's not norm. And Do you wear your, your hair out like that in Stockholm as I've tried. It doesn't go well. People come up from behind in bars and touch it. When people come up and touch me from behind, since they are sneaking up, they do know what they're doing is wrong. Because otherwise they we'll would just ask me if they're allowed to touch my hair. Um, but if I tell them off, they always give the same expression. I just couldn't help myself. And how is that acceptable? I always ask I always if I can pet so- a dog. How is this acceptable? And I always offer... For me to be able to touch that, sort of limp, <laughs> fatty hair. I was like, yes, just hang on, just go out and enjoy your night. When you least expect it, I'm going to sneak up behind you and I'm going to touch you. And I'm like, oh, yes, no. It happens too so often in soccer, especially if it's late at night and I'm going home. I'll put it up and put it away. My name is Miranda Sara Josefine Rieskvist. I'm 27 years old. Uh, I've always finished my bachelor. In fashion studies and I work part-time at because I'm from Stockholm. I live in Malmö. I speak Swedish and English so I consider myself culturally Swedish but also black um, but not necessarily I don't consider myself Gambian in that way which is the other part because I've never been there I don't speak the language I've got no connection to the culture and I know knowledge about the culture. I've always felt like an outsider. Um I noticed very early that I wasn't like the others. Um because it was commented on. Um and what kind of comments? it was small children children in general sort of really good at teasing and really good at finding out what sort of which buttons to press. But also I noticed like adults looking at me like I wasn't fitting in because um, I've grown up with my aunt and uncle and my cousins that are all white, and I'm not the youngest or the oldest. Um, of my cousins, so um, usually if you're adopted or your child from a like previous marriage, you're either or. Oh, oh, but I'm sort of a middle child, so adults would sort of look at me and when we were out and just walking around trying to figure out where i fit in because i was also sort of not didn't really fit as someone's like friend either because it was obviously a family outing and people would look at sort of where does she fit in and i sort of i knew i didn't look like anyone else i had a black doll as a child and my mother was like well I i assumed you would like this because it looks like you and i was like no i would like a white doll please
1: um, How old were you? Do you remember I
3: must have been, um, I stopped living with my mother when I was around three. So around that age or earlier, yeah. You notice, in the Sweden is a super homogenous country. It's super white and I was the only black girl in my school up until high school. Uh, there were other like non-white but not black children, like middle Eastern children, when it was in sort of... When I was in my teens before that. But most of my childhood years, I was only non-white person in... Well, sort of in the entire suburb. When you are mixed race, you do... You are afforded a certain privilege. um, I think. Even though I'm not... I think that might have been harmful or not really good for my self-esteem and stuff like that. Only being surrounded by white people. I still... What I gain is the knowledge to walk through white rooms in a very efficient way. I know what to do to be considered, well not white, but sort of being accepted very quickly. Um, which is not necessarily a skill I would like, want to have, but it is efficient. And it is sort of, it does make it easy for me. I don't think you're discriminated against in the same way when you're mixed race. Um... Which is super unfair. My parents never really thought that I encountered racism. And that's a really lowly, naive way to look at things. Like, as long as we bring her up in the same way we do other children, she's going to be the same, but it's not like that. So I've been sort of unpacking and looking at, like, old memories and stuff like that. And it's, I think it's horrifying how I've, mainly how... Like, the internalization have, have made me treat myself as a woman, where looks are really important and stuff like that. Um, it's mostly been about control for me, or sort of figuring out what, um, what ideas about black people other people had, and then not being that. So I used to really like yeah, hip-hop as a child, but then around 12, I realised people assumed I'd listen to hip-hop just because I was black, and then I stopped until, so, 22, 23, maybe? Just putting myself in a s- smaller and smaller box. I always worked to try to sort of just make a persona that, like, read as more white. But I just, just given it up. <laughs> <I> just, <laughs> there's just no point in it. All the times I've never sort of talked to other black people. But as soon as there were another black person, especially when I was in my teens, everyone sort of assumed that we would become best friends or if it was a man, that I would be magically attracted to him and we'd become a couple, even though we had nothing in common. And they knew we had nothing in common. Um, And that made me so frustrated. And I don't get what they were doing, but I sort of see the point in having other black people around me as poor because it's... It's really relaxing. <laughs> Not always having to be on edge. Because um, that's the worst part of it. It's like you learn to always be on edge and sort of on your best behavior. Mm-hmm. The weird thing is that all these prejudices or ideas and stereotypes about black people aren't, haven't really um, originated in Sweden. Uh, because we don't have a large black population and the black population yeah, we has only, only lived here for like 20, 30, 40 years. Um, so it's all imported from uh, TV shows and media from other countries, mainly sort of American. I don't think the ideas about race comes from America. I think mainly the stereotypes. Like, most Swedish people, their largest contact to black people has not been black friends or a black community. It's been hip-hop or... Fresh Prince and bad whatever. Something that's black and that's American. But the ideas about race, uh, they were here long before. You need to sort of catch children and teenagers and allow them to, well, visualize themselves as just like being more. I see myself as very Scandinavian um, and Swedish in my personality and how I wreck things and what I like. And, uh, stuff like that, it's just like the problem isn't with our identities, the p- problem is that the refusal from white people to see us as anything other than other um, and just that, like the assumption that I don't look Scandinavian so I can't be and if I am it must be because I'm adopted. And I think this, like the biggest problem is the lack of Lack of education. There's no nuance in the view of what racism can be. Because there's no, st- no stories about it. And so few of the stories that are there actually reach a l- wider white population. Or wider switch population. Um, my upbringing would have been easier if I had the tools to identify ra- racism that weren't just being called the n-word. Um, if I was able to identify which was just teasing and what's actually racism. I don't know if I weren't able to see, but I'd never intervened. And looking back, I can see that a lot of the teasing was sort of race-based. And if I had the tools, I might've been able to sort of, well, maybe not tell them off myself, but at least been able to come home and tell someone about it. But I didn't, so I always assumed that it was me that was wrong.
1: Whether in Denmark, Sweden, or the rest of Scandinavia, the biggest issue for people of colour seems to be the lack of representation and spaces of acceptance. Heartbreakingly, most people I talk to share the feeling of hopeless loneliness. In the last couple of years, creative projects and political association have emerged and have given birth to a new sense of community. In Copenhagen, I talked with Iliana Hansen, a Trinidadian Danish female creative who, with a few friends, initiated the VAVA Collective.
4: I mean, everything is changing, like, uh, yeah, there are children immigrants, there are mixed kids, there are adopted uh, kids, and all of these people are adults and will be a part of the Scandinavian narrative, so in that way it will change. I'm Ileana, I have a background in animation and production design, and right now I'm currently doing some marketing, fundraising for a new restaurant in Copenhagen. Well, my first language was English, because I was born in Toronto, but my mom is Danish, so when we moved uh, to Copenhagen when I was four years old, I yeah started speaking Danish, and so those are my two main languages. Bavak, which is uh, short for Vis-a-vis Art Collector, is an initiative. We took like a group of people who met in a Facebook group, wanted to do a film club where we showed movies about people, like black people, and black people's stories or narratives, and then we actually found out we wanted something much bigger. We wanted to do events like spoken word and food and movie screenings. So actually, Babak was, yeah, about meeting other people who had African descent and building community. To to see other people on stage that look like look like you and have similar backgrounds or similar. Um, um, have been in similar situations like yeah like with with racism or it, it just it just really helped people to feel seen like not being invisible. like yeah your 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 stories your issues are real and some of my white friends who have attended they've said afterwards like wow that was really interesting and I didn't know that and so I feel for both it was it was very like for, for white people, educational, and for black people, just feel like there was a space where they could uh, meet people and communicate about these issues or, or or feelings about being in in a very like white society. Mm-hmm. It's like if you want something done, do it yourself. You need to actually go and meet people and talk to people. And this and this is also with Vavak like. We could meet people face-to-face and talk about these things and what, what, and what people were doing like in their job and how they felt in their workplace or in life, and we could start a conversation about it.
0: Lucy is also co-host and co-producer of a podcast called Tone Deaf, which tackles issues of identity and politics in Sweden, the U.S., and worldwide. Stay tuned for part two, where we'll see how these same questions play out for expats back in Paris. to Serial Culture, produced by Lori Martinez for Les Raconteuses, a multilingual podcast collective for curious humans dedicated to building cultural bridges through storytelling. Intro music by Knowledge. If you like the show, let us know. Treat us at Les Raconteuses and check out our website, lesraconteuses.com